0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. We just had an interesting audio situation time. No one cares about that time, but it happened time. Hey guys, Tennessee might play in a bowl time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope everyone out there is having a good Thursday morning. If you're wondering where the quasi-useful, quasi-unuseful Grant Ramey is not here right now, That's because he'll be here for the third segment where he and I will be at Thompson Bowling Arena discussing Tennessee's basketball game against Alabama State on Wednesday night. We're saving that right now. And at the time we're recording this in all candor, we do not know whether Tennessee was able to beat Alabama State. Guessing the Vols probably did. Just taking a stab at it. Guessing they probably did. But we're going to talk football for the first couple of segments after I ask this very important question to Pat and Ryan, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. I'm what? okay.
1: It really doesn't matter what. I don't need to tell any of you how I'm feeling right now. Uh,
0: I think it's just a basic human emotion, and you can describe to people. That's why that I said I'm okay. Not not good, just not bad, just just okay. I'm
1: just doing. I'm just doing fine.
0: Just somewhere in the middle. Well, that's good talk, guys. Good talk. I'm glad we had it. Glad we had it. You know what I'm not glad about is uh, heading to uh, Missouri this weekend, as Tennessee takes on the Missouri Tigers. Still kind of interesting. That Missouri's in the SEC. Uh, I thought by this point it would feel more like okay, this is an SEC team now. Nope, this it is doesn't. an SEC program because it didn't take that long for South Carolina. Arkansas to kind of start feeling like SEC type yeah. teams. It just yeah, but with Missouri just hadn't happened yet. You don't go to those
1: games and think this this feels like a Big Ten game.
0: It's weird, isn't it? You feel like
1: you should be like. It feels like you get there and you feel like, wait, Iowa State's in town, are they not?
0: Yeah. <laughs> what's weird about Missouri is Tennessee. that. What's weird about Missouri is that one, it's where the, the worst organization in all of professional baseball is located. Secondly,
1: uh, that's probably the Astros at this point, those little cheaters. Good
0: point. Yeah, but who the actually. Cardinals have
1: cheated us too. Who but.
0: actually sunk to the level of cheating the, the Cardinals. Houston Astros? That would be the St. Louis I was Cardinals. I'll say the
2: Cardinals cheated the cheaters. So let's be real, they were doing the world a favor.
0: That's debatable, but, you know, hey, here, here's the deal. What's weird about Missouri? They may have the best fans in baseball,
1: but the best cheaters in baseball are Houston. Yeah, best fans. They should get the
0: death penalty. Here's you know, here's what here's what weirds me out about Missouri, and I and I feel for Missouri in this way, guys, I really do. Missouri is kind of in the middle of nowhere in terms of a conference affiliation it's in it's in the middle of a few regions it's kind of like have been in the, it should,
1: they should have stayed in the big 12 i mean obviously if they had the chance to go to the sec they should have but maybe the sec yeah and i get they were going for the st louis tv markets so i understand that but
0: oh yeah and i get why missouri would but, do it. in uh, a second you would do it but but they're kind of in that bermuda triangle where they're not quite in big 12 country but they're close they're not quite in sec country but they're close they might be slightly closer to Big Ten country, but they're still not quite in it. They're kind of in a Bermuda Triangle there, and it's hard because Missouri and Kansas is one of the better rivalries, I think, in all of college sports because you want to talk about actual hate. Those two actually hate each other, and that goes back a long time and goes well beyond sports. But other than that, it's just kind of tough to figure out where they belong. And I would have thought by now that they would feel more like an SEC team, especially because when they they were fortunate enough to to come into the league when the three beasts in the East were not really beasts. You know, Tennessee was was bad. Georgia and Florida were mediocre. You know, programs were going through coaching changes and, and all these other things. So they were able to kind of catapult themselves up to the top of the SEC East pretty quickly. And that you would have thought that would have made it feel more like a like a like an SEC thing. And there, you know, Tennessee and Missouri do actually share a small border. So there, there's some reason to think that that could become a rivalry at some point, but it just doesn't feel like that yet. Even when Tennessee's basketball coach, former basketball coach went to Missouri, it still did not feel like this big rivalry. It, it just, t- to me, it's still just kind of searching to get there. Am I wrong about that? No, I don't, I don't think that's wrong. I mean,
1: does Missouri have any rivals in the SEC? At this I mean,
0: point? The, the most
2: natural one would be Arkansas, yeah. geographically. But
1: and it, then there's Texas A&M, who they played in the Big Twelve.
2: I mean, someone someone said there was some talk on some summer conversation on on uh, on a Knoxville radio station where a Missouri writer said something about Tennessee being their biggest rival. I I don't see it that way. I mean, I don't know why Missouri would see it that way. Frankly, Tennessee's only beaten them twice since they came into the conference. That uh, it's the I mean, you can see sort of the makings of that, maybe, but there haven't even really been great games. There was the one in 2012. The first one was a good game that went to what overtime? Four overtimes. Four overtimes.
0: They really should have just put Auburn in the East and you know slung Missouri into the West. But
2: then you break up Alabama and Auburn and all
0: that, and that makes. Or you could set up. You could. They could still play every year in the Iron Bowl, and then they could play in the SEC championship game too. Some years, I think it's. But then Tennessee
2: and Alabama aren't permanent rivals, and then you're upset. So.
0: No, they could. They could make that work. They're going to go to nine conference games anyway. Yeah, they won't they won't do that. I anymore. have a plan. I have a plan. And, and, and then everyone has Ryan, two, then every, his, and then everyone has two, hand two hand
2: permanent yet. rivals, so then you got Vandy playing Ole Miss and Who every year? Like I mean
1: Well, they shouldn't d- be permanent rivals because it's not a it's a competitive imbalance. It, it should be a, a
0: rotating right? thing for everybody. Did, did you just suggest that the SEC should enact some sort of a legislation that makes sure that Vanderbilt's well accommodated? <laughs> <laughs> does does that really matter? No, I mean, just, I don't want to be—I don't want to be a jerk about that. But does that really no, matter? No, but
2: i am am jo- joking, but making the point that like you're going to lock in a bunch of games that don't matter just so you can lock in Tennessee, Alabama, and t- Alabama, I, Auburn. I, I,
1: I don't know why. I don't, I don't know who it was, but I do remember that comment, you, Ryan, that you brought up that uh, someone suggested Tennessee and Missouri. I think that was probably based off Barry Odom getting all mad about yeah coming after. That's a good players. point. Yeah, um, and. First of all, I don't blame Pruitt for doing that because you're always looking for ways to improve your roster. Second of all,
0: I don't blame Odin for being mad either. I don't blame either of them. True, really. but
1: um, you know, Pruitt was probably thinking I can take these guys and do a better job with them than you are. Um, Might not be wrong about that. So, probably,
2: probably just thinking though. Hey, I need to help
1: my team. These maybe I'm players. just thinking that. So yeah, no, it's just. He, it's just... Oh, go ahead. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't. You know, the last two games were 50 to 17. Um, the 2016 game was interesting because there were oodles of points. Yes, there were Missouri put up 740 yards and lost by 26. Probably one of the weirdest box scores in the history of football. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, even with Derek Dooley going back there, it's hardly made a, it's hardly added anything to the rivalry. I mean, it's it's just sort of,
0: yeah, it's, it's just
1: sort of there. And, it's just a game and, you have to play. And, and this, this and Missouri game Missouri has
0: kicked Tennessee's tail so many times, and yet it still doesn't quite. Even feel if like ser- a even if
1: the series was competitive, I don't think it would have. I don't even, if they had played seven great games, I don't think it would have made it a rivalry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just geography. Tennessee fans don't, you know, they view Alabama, Florida, Georgia as the main rivals. Uh, Older fans still remember the Auburn rivalry being a big deal. Um, And so, you know, they don't view the other teams in the SEC East that big of a rivalry. And so that's just sort of how it's been. And that's probably how it always will be. Um and it's, again, it's just geographically weird.
2: I'd forgotten the last two games have been exactly 50 to 17, but... Um, what are the odds of that? Yeah, but, but that that exact score. 50 is not an easy one to come up with in football. Um, but, I mean, three, of the, uh, I guess four games in the series now have been decided by 26 points or more, and they've only played eight times. So yeah, it's not really been a bunch of nail biters. I mean, yeah, maybe if they start having some of those types of games, I could see it, but even then geographically, like Kentucky could make sense as a rival for them. Arkansas could make more sense. I mean, there, there are teams closer to them geographically that would make more sense, but Tennessee and Missouri are among those teams sort of fighting for the same real estate in the sec East, you know, South Carolina is kind of in that same boat too. I think they're they're middle of the pack teams right now in the sec East that are hoping to rise to the top that uh, Missouri was, you know, has been there. Uh, hashtag early, rise to the top. Yeah. Uh, Missouri has, has been there during its brief time in the sec. Um, South Carolina has, uh, I guess, was there once. Tennessee hasn't been back there in more than a decade, but they're all programs that have shown they're capable of getting there, so they're all sort of battling to be that next challenger to Florida and Georgia at the top, and I guess that sort of could make for a natural rivalry. I don't know.
1: I feel like West is about to hit us with some knowledge because he just got out this leather-bound uh, uh, that binder-looking thing. I um, would before, assume West did homework or before something. Before he hits us with this knowledge, uh, it should be pointed out that this game will move forward in the season next year. Yes, and I'm uh, looking it'll, forward it'll to it. It'll move to be well. Uh, it'll still it'll be in early October. I think it's October fourth next season. Off yeah. the top of my head, could be wrong. Um, but that is this is the game. This is how important this game is. Is that they moved it to accommodate the Tennessee Georgia game, which was moved to accommodate the Georgia Auburn game. So uh, it's just sort of it's October third. That's, that's next how year. that's how big of a that's how big of a deal the Tennessee Missouri game is uh, on on in the grand scheme of things. Uh, a long overdue. What, over what year is it? Or what date is it?
2: October third next
1: year, and not so that's so. that's yeah, they're moving it up in the season, and then they're going to because he's going to play Georgia in mid-November, which will be, uh, I think, better.
2: Yeah, I hope it stays that way. I don't know for sure that that's a long-term deal, but I hope well, it is.
1: While we're talking about the SEC uh, doing scheduling things, I think they need to axe this final week FCS nonsense. This next to next to last week because half the league's playing fcs so con you know southern no, conference teams it's nobody like wants
2: a, to play a real game before their big rivalry game well that's fine
1: other... you can have open date you can have an open date but yeah make all it's it's like um don't they do the baseball where they made all the games late in the season division games so you yeah. should make all the games late in the season conference games and everybody's beat up by then but um it's the way football's you, always you, been you, scheduled you want it to be you want to play meaningful exciting games where there's a lot on the line late in the season you don't want to be playing western carolina and samford and who else? Who else is on the schedule this week? I it's bad. It. Bama plays in uh, FCS. Yeah. Yeah. UT Martin. Uh, don't
0: don't talk bad about my boy Jason Simpson. Western
1: Carolina. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not talking bad. I'm just saying it's an FCS team. I mean, Kentucky's playing them. Uh, Vandy's playing East Tennessee State. Oh. Buck yeah. I mean, I'm not hating on the Bucks. I'm just saying,
0: probably not going to go so well for Buck yeah. That's probably going to be a Buck. It note. might.
1: It might. <laughs> yeah, you got you got Western Carolina, Bama,
2: Samford, Auburn, ETSU, Vandy, Tennessee, Martin, Kentucky. That's and LSU of, Arkansas
1: which is about the same. That's a good point of well, well, game. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I think it? the spread on that was what like LSU minus 46. No. Know.
0: Uh to be honest with you, I, I do not have a great factoid uh what I was doing and and we mean this, every every Thursday we go to the questions and I never look at the questions ahead of time, so I I think that Did t- you I think that's part of the fun. No, no. I just know that we're going to get asked about Missouri's offensive line <laughs> and their age. So this, I was so they, I was looking at I was looking to see if I had Missouri's game notes in there, but I didn't. There's, so that's going to be interesting. Missouri's
1: offensive line is ginormous.
2: There's one more barn burner uh, we have this week, Mississippi State and Abilene Christian. Ooh. Ooh.
0: Wow. That's – I mean, I think just – I don't know. I think Abilene would also would need – would probably need like – the Abilene Christian, the Abilene Jews, Abilene Muslims. I think they need a little bit of everybody. Oh wow! If they want to go in there and take on, if this was A&M. a thread on
1: on the checkerboard, we would we would lock it. I'm just saying. Or delete it. I'm just saying. Religion They top. don't
0: need to be in the. They don't need to be sw- like making their sample size small. If they want to take on an SEC team, they're going to need one one world, one piece, one love kind of a roster. But he, here's my question about this game: This Tennessee. Missouri game is one that in the past I've sort of had a feel for. I didn't like the matchups for Tennessee the past couple years. This year, I really don't have a feel for this game because I think if you look at it, I will say I have, we I all have.
2: we all got duped last year. We thought Tennessee was going to win this game because I have a feel for this. Game. They had just go beaten ahead, they had just beaten Kentucky last year. Or go ahead, Ryan. Whatever. <laughs> I, I
0: I I don't love some things about this matchup, and I think you could make the argument. Uh, it was easier to make when Kel Garrett was healthy and playing, but that Missouri just had a better football roster than Tennessee did right now. Uh, you know, Kelly Bryant's a good, serviceable, capable quarterback who can do some good things. He's played in big games. Uh, they're always sound defensively. They've got two or three pretty solid running backs. they got a huge offensive line. They're always good on the D line. They, they just – they've got good kickers and specialists and things. There's – There's reason to believe that they just have a better team than Tennessee, but when you look at results and you look at what these teams have been coached to do relative to the talent they have, uh, even though Tennessee had one of the most horrible, terrible, no good, very bad losses in program history this season, uh, Tennessee, over the balance, has been better coached than Missouri has, and right now it's not even close, so it's a hard game to kind of figure out, because Tennessee's always kind of struggled over there a little bit, but... I, I don't know, man. I can't get uh, I can't get a feel for it.
1: I got a feel for it. You got one team that's won three straight games and it's coming off an open date, and you got a, another team that's lost four straight games, and everybody in the fan base has been talking about how they want the coach fired. I don't know. I, I, I'm d- not going to d- get
0: duly saying football there and football hell. Yeah, right
1: I, I don't know if I don't know if Barry Odom should be fired or not. Um, that's I, I don't I don't know where where the debate is on that, but. Um, <laughs> But that's been – that's all. I mean, he's talking this week about, you know, he's having to defend what they've done over his tenure. That's what they're talking about, and, and that's, you know, let's just see some – read some of the stuff that's been coming out of Columbia. So uh, you have one team going in one direction, another team going in another direction. Um, uh, I do think uh, – I, I would agree with you, Wes. I do think Missouri has a better roster. I know people will look at the recruiting rankings and um, say otherwise, but uh, – and, and maybe argue otherwise. But certainly I think if you looked at NFL – potential NFL players Missouri probably has more than Tennessee right now probably um and 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 I think uh, I think some other people that know football a lot more than I do would say that as well but I also think Tennessee has a better coaching staff Mm -hmm. um and I I think Odom has really underachieved the last couple of years I think they had a 10-win team last year and to be frank uh they probably should be at worst uh eight and two right now
3: I mean I think they've been favored
1: in eight games right I mean someone wants to check me on that but uh, I think they've been favored in every game except Georgia and Florida, which was the, the games they played the last two weeks. Um, and so uh, they've they've kind of crapped the bed again, you know, in some games they should have won. I, you know, Wyoming's a tough place to play.
0: Why so. in the hell do you go play Wyoming yeah, in Wyoming? I it's mean, like that that's, game's like Mount Everest in terms of elevation. Why Why are you I, why are you even thinking about it? I don't know. There? Yeah, I don't know Stupid. why they
1: played it, and I'm not, you know, um, you know. I know it's probably tough to get there and probably tough to play out there right off the bat, but you should be losing to Missouri if you're Missouri, or you shouldn't be losing at Wyoming if you're Missouri. And then, you know, they lose to Vanderbilt who's been miserable all season. And then they lose to uh, Kentucky. I don't, I don't know that they losing to Kentucky is a surprise, but the fact they lost 29 to seven and were completely dominated in that game, that that's, that doesn't, that's not good. And then uh, they were kind of competitive against Florida. Um, It kind of felt like Florida was the better team most of that game, but, uh, again, this is a team that, at worst, should be eight and two, uh, with a chance to go ten and two again. And they're, you know, they're scrapping for six and six potentially.
0: Yeah, and, and PSA, I do know because that
1: they may not beat Tennessee on Saturday, but they definitely will beat Arkansas. In the final game of the
0: season. I do know that Laramie, Wyoming, is not as tall as Mount Everest. PSA, I'm I'm kidding, but it is by six hundred feet. It's the highest elevation of any uh, playing surface in division one football it's at 70 almost 7300 feet which is just nah, stupid knowledge it's just now, stupid
2: now i am kind of more with Wes on this T- topographist west <laughs> i i'm kind of like west i don't have a great feel for this game because missouri uh on paper i think looks a lot better than it's been lately and you never know when a team like that could you know start to put it back together again kelly bryant's coming off an injury where he he could be you know a week a week removed from that that hamstring injury, maybe he's in better shape to to kind of cause some problems for Tennessee with it's, his legs. It's their senior night too. Yeah, it's senior night, and they're fighting for a bowl game, which they probably will get anyway. Yeah, if, they play if they, Arkansas. They they play Arkansas if they're if they're you know ruled eligible for a bowl or you know or or if no further ruling is made, I guess they would technically be bowl eligible today. But that's still so, somewhat up in the air. But they've at least got that to play for. So. That plenty of motivation, and, and i you know like you said, Patrick. There's some there's some questions out there about kind of the direction the program is headed, but that the pieces are there for this to be a good team, and statistically too, they're very good on defense. They they they're second in the SEC in total defense. They're allowing less than 300 yards a game. In scoring defense, they're they're top 20 nationally. They're giving up fewer than 20 points a game. Uh, and then in passing defense, they lead the sec and are sixth nationally allowing 165.9 yards per game through the air. Yeah, so it
0: seems like one of these teams always scores 40 against the other. And I don't know how that happens in this one.
2: Uh yeah, uh, that that's happened the last couple of years. You, you had the uh the what 19-8 game early mm-hmm. in this series. There've been a couple that have been sort of sloppy. I I could see this one looking more like that honestly. I I think 20 points might be enough to win this game depending on how it goes. Yeah, but.
0: I wonder if if people if Missouri's defense is as good as it is in some ways statistically because No, that's, that's because, what I was going to say. Because I mean, people are not going as hard on the other end cuz they just don't want to lose the game on
2: well, the other end. Well, uh, and the schedule too because they haven't played, you know, Patrick kind of touched on it. They've been favored in eight games. Their non-conference schedule hasn't been amazingly tough. So you've got some opponents there where you can sort of rack up the, the stats a
1: little well, bit. And conference games are allowing 350 yards a game, and non-conference games are allowing 216. So Yeah. So that, 315 in SEC is not terrible. So no, that, it's not terrible.
2: But that tilts it. I mean, that, that's not a top-10 kind of sounding defense, and you're allowing 350 a game. I mean, Tennessee's given up probably fewer than that in conference games. They've had a lot of games where they've given up 300 or 320 or Hold something that like Hold that thought,
1: Callahan.
0: <laughs> so... Are you gonna well actually, and are you gonna Oscar Martinez? No, him? I'm
1: gonna look it up because I genuinely don't know. Tennessee in conference games is allowing 388 yards per game. Okay, well, it's been probably tilted a little bit by the what Florida and Georgia games.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. I would say so. Before we go, uh, step away for for break here, because again, if you're asking for our predictions, you're gonna have to wait until uh, Friday morning. I'm, as
2: of this time, I'm I'm honestly kind of torn because I don't know. Yeah, I've been leaning yeah. one way most of the
0: week, but I'm I'm still a little bit. Torn. I'm probably leaning a little toward Tennessee right now, but I, I can't I can't I, I, I can't picking. figure it out. I I, don't, I think you've made that pretty clear over there, <laughs> Patrick. I'm pretty sure you've made that clear. Before we go to break and get get to your questions, I do want to say this though. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt has been asked on Wednesday about the quarterback situation, basically said, yes, we know what we're doing at quarterback. No, we're not going to tell you. So with that said, I think most of us here are in agreement that there's no reason. If you are if you have an uncertain situation at quarterback, the very least you can do is make the other team have to prepare for everyone uh, to make them a little bit miserable too, ha- have misery be company. Um, but but I, I do think that it makes sense to do that. My question is who should it be and who do you think it will be?
2: Uh, I've gone back and forth on this. I mean, first of all, no matter what they're doing... That's a shocker. No, but no no matter what they're doing, Garantano should be the guy that takes most of the snaps. I think we would all probably agree on that with the way they've been playing lately. But I, what I'm torn on is whether you continue doing what you've done lately just for the sake of not mixing it up and, and, and maybe give Missouri a couple different looks. I I also can't rule out the fact that may, maybe Maurer ends up have, being the guy with the hot hand in one of these last couple games. Maybe you still need him and he does give you some different things from Garantano, so there's no downside to continuing to play him and keeping him in the mix. So I'm not sure I wouldn't continue starting Maurer and just plan to bring in Garantano pretty quickly off the bench and let him settle into the game from there.
1: Uh, I think they're going to start Garantano, and I think he's going to play the whole way unless he gets hurt or just completely bombs um, because I I think he's their best chance. Uh, And in a game like this,
3: turnovers are are talked about
1: turnovers, uh, low scoring. Potential game. You don't want to give an offense, you know, Missouri offense that scored what 27 points in the last five games or something like that. You don't want to give them easy points. And and that's not to say they're going to play conservative, but uh, I think they uh, will trust Garantano to to do more uh, of what they trust him to play like he's shown them he can play and like he's shown them in practice for the entire year. Um, then I, th- I think they're going to lean towards just going with him. I think he – I think they think he gives them the best chance of winning. Yeah, and,
0: and football coaches are not by their nature as sort of um, – and, and I, I guess they're, they're, they're not basically as uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here – they're, they're not as superstitious as baseball coaches are in general, so I don't think he'll look at something like, well, guaranteeing off the bench is working, well, let's keep doing that. I but, don't know if
2: it's superstition, though. I think there could be the thought that it changes a player's mindset to be able to watch from the sideline for a drive or two, get a feel for what the defense is doing, and then come in and sort of – instead it, of having the pressure of starting off it, the game, you know.
0: It can, and my point to that before we go to break here is that I, I, I think it, you can make the argument that what Tennessee is doing – I think you can make the argument that it keeps working, but I also think in this particular game, the way Missouri has kind of been on the ropes, you really, really, really don't want to let Missouri get confident because that's a team that does have some talent, and if the switch does start to flip, that that team could do some things. If you can go out there and kind of put a couple scoring drives together early and put them on their back foot, I think there's a pretty good chance that team folds, and I think that's why the start to this game is so important and and that's why I wonder if they'll think about just going with Garantano yeah, out of the game. You, you My guess is Garantano starts.
1: You, you don't want to, you know, roll. I don't want to say roll the dice with Maurer, but you don't want to start Maurer. You don't want to go into the game saying we've always got Garantano off the bench. Because again, what if you fall down fourteen nothing again? Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to do that. So um, I know it's been working, but I do think Pruitt and Chaney were came out and kind of shot down that notion of of Garantano being a better quarterback off the bench. I don't. I don't think they buy that. Whether that's superstition or whatever, uh, I don't I don't think they buy that. And I think going into this game that they will look at, at how this game could go and what they need to do to win it. And they will say, we're going to play the guy that's thrown one interception in the past six games and not the guy that's thrown five. I, I would agree with that. Six I, games. I think um, that's, that's just and, and the guy that was missing – uh, misreading RPO plays and and not going where he needed to with the ball.
0: Uh, I there think that's that's why I think I'm leaning toward Guarantano, too. Anyway, guys, we got to step away. We got to pay some uh, bills, listen to some some ads about some products and some services and in house ads. And
1: we're not sure how the volume's going to be. The, yeah, yeah
0: we're, we're 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 working on that. Basically, uh, is is that where we can say Pardon Our Progress? Uh, I don't like that put up phrase. one of those Pardon Our Progress no. signs. Why don't you like that phrase? Because you went to the
1: zoo and you were—that's where I remember those things being—and you would be hoping for to see what was there, and then you see it blocked off, and you're like, "Well, that's no fun."
0: Hold on, Wes is taking some pictures over here. No, I uh, was trying to silence my phone because I forgot to silence it before I started, and then it started ringing, and then I tried to by silencing it, I accidentally took a screenshot, so that's why you heard a very brief moment of a ring there. All right, let's get to the ads, followed by a click sound. Uh, which may or may not have anything to do with what's coming up next. Hashtag ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals
1: on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, ads, services, in-house ads, whatever it was that you just heard a second ago, uh, and, and whatever heard you heard with the volume that was either where it needed to be or where it wasn't. We're working on that. Uh, so we'll see about that. Uh, we, we do appreciate people who do listen to the ads, though, because you have the option of hitting fast forward and going right through them. But most of you don't. And I can see that by looking at the numbers. Big Brother is always watching. Big Brother appreciates that. So thank you for that information we were going to get straight to your questions but then we realized during this break uh, that we did not mention something that was really important for this particular game ryan go ahead
2: well i was just going to point out that tennessee has had a couple of uh you know obviously the open date gave them a chance to to sort of rest some guys last week and let them heal from some injuries they've had recently you know darnell Riot and guys like that have been banged up on the offensive line but maybe more pressingly bryce thompson and, and henry Toa have been banged up on defense and Those guys' statuses are at least, at this point, maybe what somewhat in question. What what would you say, Patrick, about where things stand with those guys?
1: Uh, I think Toto will be okay. He's a tough guy. He played in a state championship game with a broken foot. So even the fact he's got uh, a sort of a small sleeve on his knee and some sort of brace contraption, it looks like an offensive lineman's knee brace on his arm, Uh, I think he'll probably gut it out. I would be surprised, uh, having not seen Wednesday's practice, uh, I would be surprised if Bryce Thompson plays. He does not He does not look right. And he that's he does not look good at all. And I mean, he, he's
0: out there, and to be quite honest, when I saw him out, out of practice, my first thought was, I'm not a doctor, but why is he out there on this leg right now trying to do something that he clearly can't do? And see, that to me adds to the uncertainty going into this game because if Missouri is going
2: to win, I think it's going to be because Kelly Bryant sort of got back in a groove throwing the ball, and, and Tennessee not having Bryce Thompson, as we saw earlier this season, kind of changes things for their defense. So if that's the case...
0: I think it's got to be at least a, con- a little bit of a concern for Tennessee. We'll see. He's a tough kid, and to me, it's not a question of whether he's tough enough to play. To me, it's a question of is he mobile enough to play? Because he'll go out there and try. Uh, we all know how tough the kid is. I, but if you're playing corner, uh, that's one thing to play. You know, middle linebacker or inside linebacker. You know, even quarterback. Certainly offensive it's, line. And when and it's one when thing you can't play. move that well, but if you can't <clears> move well at corner, that's
1: hard. And it's one thing if you're playing an offense that's playing a receiver or quarterback versus. Yes. That's very, 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 very
0: different. So, with that said, we will go on to the questions. Unless there are any more, are there any more objections no from questions. the gallery? Go. Let's do it. First question this week from Stallion Vol. Who finishes higher in the polls this season, the 2019-20 Tennessee basketball team or the 2020 Vols football team? Uh,
1: I think I might go this year's basketball team. They seem to have a nice little mojo about. It.
2: I might too, but it is very early and I still wonder if the lack of size comes back to
0: bite them a little bit more in conference play. I think they've got a winning mentality and winning culture in that program. So I think they'll be okay. And I think they will be a pretty solid team. I'll, I will I'll, go, I'll go with them. I'll go with the basketball team too, but that's, a, it's a really good question. Yeah,
2: it is. I'm, I'm going basketball too, because I think they might end up being a top 25 team. I right now, I don't think tennessee in 2020 is a top 25 football team just yet i think they're probably going to be similar to this year for
0: another year before they take that next step it's interesting they do have a, they, they've got some important guys to replace yeah uh, second question stallion ball what thousand one hundred eighty-seven 163 answer in two seconds go 1024 next <laughs> that was nothing huh hold on let me look <laughs> i believe that is correct I I, I I I wanted to to double check that
1: I texted my wife who's a math teacher oh crap I didn't mean to say that she's not a math (laughs) teacher she uh, has another job
0: she has a job (laughs) it's not in journalism (laughs) another job She has hair. Next question. Yes, she exists. (laughs) She exists. She has hair, two ears, everything, and uh, she she she's a person. Uh, Next question. Ao Maine. What is Penny Hardaway's deal with Rick Barnes, and why are these facts so difficult to acknowledge?
1: I think Penny is still in that stage of his uh, career where he's like Lane Kiffin was, where he thinks that all publicity is good publicity. I think he also thinks he can get away with it, even if you act a fool. Yeah, I do think he's been enabled. Um, and he's probably just trying to fire up his fan base, I guess. I don't know. They eat that stuff up.
0: It, it's But, like, to me, it, it's – it's one thing if you give your opinion on something, but to state things that very cool, crystal clearly did not happen—that's yeah. happen, where I have a problem—is uh, making the balled-up fist comments and those things. Because at Memphis, you know, it's still one of those places where we actually sit and courtside. Saying Rick
1: Barnes, get the f out of here! Yeah, like, we're, come
0: on, man. We're not like we're not like behind the goal like we are in most arenas now, or, or, or up a few rows. We're still courtside, uh, uh, right there at Memphis. So we saw the entire. We were right there. That did not happen. What he said did not happen because we were there the entire game and watched it, and then on top of that, we also went back and watched film to make sure, and his depiction of events just did not happen. Memphis instigated most of the things that happened during that game. Uh, Now, I'm not saying they were wrong. What the the players actually did, because it's a rivalry game, they don't like each other, it's a lot of state pride on the line. I get it, but it's just stupid, and and Penny Hardaway needs to stop being petty because he's – pretty much guaranteed that Tennessee's not going to re-up that series, and I think that sucks for this state. That's just my opinion. Uh, question. Next question, uh, again, from Stallion Ball. He's hitting us up quite a bit this week. Who among you is wearing the most expensive watch?
2: Well,
0: I don't wearing, wear a watch, so that takes me out.
1: Well, I'm wearing a Fitbit. I don't, this was given to me as a gift, so I, don't, I think they're, what, 150 Something I'm, like that?
0: I've got the most recent Apple Watch. So, so maybe yours I is win.
1: probably more expensive. Are you actually wearing it, though, yeah. as we speak? Okay, all right. You have a long, you have long sleeves on.
0: Yeah, because uh, uh, because I like long sleeves.
2: Our generation, I've learned, does not wear watches unless you have like an Apple Watch or a Fitbit because you have your phone ch- to check the time. It's the difference from
0: the previous generations. I feel like it's weird to go w- I, walk outside without a without a watch. And I'll be honest with you, I think I can say this word on a podcast uh, in college uh my roommate and i learned the uh the checklist when you walk outside of a room story time mm. with <laughs> and when when you walk here here's what you do when you're walking out of a room did they
1: have watches back when you were in college
0: yeah they did uh we didn't no carry pigeons or anything we just we actually had digital stuff uh you walk when you walk outside of a room here's your checklist when you're leaving your house to go out you go spectacles testicles wallet watch phone that's the checklist. If you have those five things, it's okay to leave. I, I have if never
1: you- subscribed to that checklist. I will say that I have, uh, I got, I got my Fitbit in late September or mid September and I think I've worn my other watch one time and it felt like I had like an ankle weight on, on my wrist. Hmm. This thing is really light and sometimes I don't even know it's there. And then my other watch you know, has a bigger face. It's a Nautica watch. I think I'm I just saying just I've, given, my I've, arm down.
0: I've given you the checklist for I if you're a man, how you walk out of a room and it, make sure that you have all your stuff.
1: By the way, stallion vol, I could have gotten
2: that one. You got if you're gonna go subtraction, quick answer, you gotta you gotta do better than that. That's you made that
1: one pretty easy, I gotta say. I also looked it up before. Well, that helps too.
0: Next question. <laughs> uh prediction for the in conference record this season for Tennessee basketball. Uh, I'll go thirteen and five. Ooh. I'll Have you
1: seen the SEC?
0: That's fair. Yeah, I, I think I, I think something like around twelve and six. That's seems, what I was Seems say. right to me.
1: I'm an optimistic person. I was thinking twelve and six, but I was like, oh, I'll give them a bump. I think twelve and six
2: because they'll they'll probably this type of team seems like more likely than last year to lose a game. It's
0: really not supposed to, and then you've still got a few tough ones too. So, yeah, I need to believe that Jordan Bowden's going to be completely consistent before I see it as, as a yeah. on the offensive end. He's always great defensively, um, and, and I'll be honest with you. I'm actually pretty concerned about Lamonte Turner's shoulder. Uh, and, well, and watching him shoot this uncomfortably is not a good sign. So uh, he's tough. He'll play through it. He'll get rebounds and assists. He'll he'll do a good job. But but they need him to score.
2: And this team has to develop a bench. If they if they do what they did against, did against Washington all season, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think you can play a seven man
1: rotation with this team. You might not be able to do that during the season, but you can definitely do that in the tournament. and Get away with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, the guy, you, guy if you if you don't get foul the one guy, yet. you guys did mention is.
0: Uh, Air Ponds. Oh, oh no. I th- I, th- I never gave I up hope. I think he's going to be consistently a pretty good scorer. I never he, gave up hope. He's done it for France. Now he's showing he can do it for Tennessee. I think the kid works as hard as anybody. I think he'll be fine. Uh, next question from Blake Digits. And, and yes, I do. Pat always did stay in his corner. I need to mention that. Uh, next question from Blake Digits making his weekly appearance. Will J.J. Peterson start next year, and does Alante Taylor play wide receiver next year?
1: Well, I first of all, Taylor, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think uh, so. Neither do I. Uh, so I think uh, he'll stay at corner. Yeah, I, I would expect that to happen. With Peterson, I know uh, Jeremy Pruitt had some good things to say about him during the SEC teleconference on Wednesday. That story is on the site. If you have not seen it, that's what we call a plug in the business.
0: Plug um, hashtag pl- hashtag plug.
1: And it is worth noting that again, you know that he's kind of become the number three inside linebacker. But that's probably because he's just better than the other only two other guys they right. have. Yes. Who is uh, yes. a guy that's been a scout team guy for the two and a first two and a half years of his career and a freshman who was playing safety to start off. Uh, so it, there obviously will be a lot more competition with some of the guys that have got coming in at linebacker. Uh, Peterson will have an advantage of having been here for a little bit while, a little while longer. Um, but and Pruitt kind of alluded to it on Wednesday. They got to keep him sort of on the right track, but they keep him on the right track. and He has a good spring. He could, um, we'll we'll see where it goes. I think they are, are still trying to figure out. And, and another guy that could factor in there is Kavaris Crouch. I, that's yep. that, that was uh, my answer. I, was I, I
0: think I think Hank I think Hank T and Crouch are the starting uh, Cr- inside Crouch linebackers. Crouch might
1: be the the one to worry about from Peterson's standpoint, but I, I don't, think he I don't is. Know. Crouch seems to be doing a lot of good things off the edge.
2: I'll I'll go ahead and say it. I don't think Peterson starts next year. I I, I don't I would think I would lean towards a no. Right I'm now, not too. I'm not ruling it out entirely, but I feel pretty confident saying Tennessee will have some whether it's Crouch. I'm the, non-JJ
1: hate, I'm the only non JJ hater.
0: I'm the only non JJ hater.
2: I'm not a hater. I just don't think he's going to be there. But just I would still yet. lean towards no. He's much more of a factor than he was six months ago.
0: I think he's on the right track, and I think that's good to see. But and I think he will become a good player. But I think he needs to become much more consistent and get in better shape but, yep. and stay healthy. He he gets hurt a little bit. He needs to stay healthy. I think too that could help a lot. Also, uh, next question. Uh, let's see here. Dragon yeah, I don't wanna. I don't wanna get into which. Just uh, ask it. Just w- ask it. Which I have guys an- we do or don't. We like have it. the answers. Just, just. just ha- I have an
1: answer. Ask it.
0: Uh, Stallion Vol question: Who do you like better, Stallion Vol or Trey Bones? Uh, note: It's okay for it to be unanimous. Also, I hear he doesn't listen to podcasts.
1: Um, I speak for all of us, including the three of us in here and Grant, in saying that we love all of our subscribers equally. Equally, all of our subscribers, all They're, of our
0: posters, They're like
2: children. We can't pick a favorite. Yeah. Yeah,
1: we we thank you for what you guys bring to our site. Although if Trey Bones doesn't
2: listen to our podcast, that I need to have a word with him, clearly.
0: Uh, I, I Here's where I disagree. Uh, I very much do have a pecking order of people that I do <laughs> like and don't like, but that doesn't affect... All right, I guess I don't speak for West. That does not affect the way that I moderate or run the board when I'm doing that, and it doesn't affect anything in terms of what I do with my job. But if I were to sit here and tell you I was completely objective about the situation, I would be lying. Uh, and I don't believe in lying. It's not something I can do uh, that I should do. So, yes, um, it is a meritocracy in my mind. And when you earn the, the the trust and when you earn the respect and the dap, you get it.
1: Oh, are right. done. I fell asleep. <laughs> so Let's rude.
0: go. Next question. Gaffney, VFL89. If you put the current coaching staff with the 2016 Tennessee Volunteers, do they make the playoffs? Ooh.
1: Shoot, I don't know about the playoff cuz Alabama still existed, right? Yeah. Uh,
0: they definitely win the East. Yes. They win the East and go 10 and 2 is what I would say. That's that's my guess. Uh that's uh, that's pretty uh, pretty I think they would have gone for
1: 2 in college station though, so they might have gone 11 and 1.
0: That's true. They, well, no, 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 well,
1: okay. They would have gone 11 and 2 cuz they probably would have lost Alabama twice. Standard Football yeah. Charts That 2016 it. Alabama team was
0: pretty pretty nice. It was. Standard Football Charts says you go for 2. Right there when you're on the road, but whatever. It's another topic for another day. Here's the question we all knew was coming: Hain sixty-two. Haynes, you're slacking, man. Yeah, he's like eighth in the queue. <laughs> he's got. He's got another great question. He, he caught s- him off too. guard. Yes. Yeah, so what is the average age of Missouri's offensive line? Well, the
2: I'm not looking at their official depth chart, but a website that step charts has them starting two seniors and one red shirt junior and then a couple have, of red shirt sophomores
1: they too, they have, they have two guys with hyphenated last names too don't they uh
0: they have one that i'm seeing as a starter here hyphenated last names are not conducive to offensive line success there's a wallace sims mm-hmm. and then a mm-hmm. cologne mm-hmm.
1: castillo i believe listen I, maybe I'm, that was last year i'm i'm on no, record sims, for this i'm, I'm all, seeing
2: it listed as sims but you're right it's uh it's
0: i'm all for people living their best life but you're a man picking a name
1: the uh it is Wallace Sims officially, so, yeah, there are two. The, those guys, man, those are some big hosses.
0: Yeah, they're large. They're large mammals. Okay, next question, Haynes62. <laughs> Jawan Jennings versus a brick wall in hand-to-hand combat. Who would win?
1: What do I say every week to Haynes' Jawan Jennings questions? The answer is always the dog.
0: Uh, I, I'm i going to go with brick wall because um, brick walls are really, really hard to get through. Yeah, I'd take the brick wall. I gotta tell you, my dad's a contractor. I've seen I've seen plenty haters. of brick walls knocked down, and if you do not have like equipment to knock them down, they don't tend to just go down on their own. I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, he's good. I don't know if he's like the Kool Aid Man. I don't know if he can just kind of walk in there and run through a wall, but we'll see. Uh, question CPA Vol: If Tennessee were to finish with the conference finish conference schedule with a five and three record, would the Vols be the biggest overachievers in conference play I got, this year? I got this one. Nope
1: um i i think you could make the case either way uh the the case would be is that this is only going to be the second time since the 2007 season that they would have had an sec winning record in sec play, which is an accomplishment yeah Uh, on the other hand you look at the teams they would have beaten uh and it would have not it it would not be a murderer's row of Mm. uh you're looking at four and eight south carolina two or three win vanderbilt uh you know, Kentucky's Kentucky. Mississippi State might get a bowl game. Who else? Missouri, maybe six and six. Um,
2: Unlike last year, I do not think Tennessee will have a honestly, regular season win over a team that's better than them on paper. The
1: uh, the overachiever in the league. I don't. What was LSU picked in the preseason poll? Uh, yeah. I mean,
2: people was thought they, they were third. Yeah,
0: I, I saw some picks for second in the, in the west. Third in the west. I saw some second, second some or third.
2: third. Some people were saying Auburn would be up there ahead of them. Um. So yeah, I think it's LSU because they're the number one team in the country and ten and zero.
1: And, and for them, they haven't, you know, they've been, they've not been able to get over the Alabama Hunt for a while. And this year it was a kind of a butt kicking. I know yeah, it's close to the final score. Uh,
0: Auburn's one hell of a multiple loss team, by the way. That's a really good team to be. For them
2: to be talking about even they, whether they want Gus Malzahn to stick around
1: is just crazy. They've had I, a well, decent that's just, year.
0: That's just kind of how Auburn is. I don't understand. Yeah. It's like every year Malzahn has to be either on a hot seat or given a ridiculously stupid extension. Those are the rules. Uh, question J. Higg 0531. What vols do you think have a chance to make all conference all America teams? only all America one I see potentially is Samaglia. so, uh, but all conference, I think you you have a few guys there. yeah,
1: you could um I, it would be tough for Jawan to make it maybe third team if 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 they go that far just because the Alabama and LSU guys are all having a uh, pretty good season, I mean, I think both those guys are part of the uh, Bolitnikoff semi finalists. Daniel um,
2: Batuli, I think, has a chance. of has second or a third chance. team.
1: Warrior has a chance. Uh, I think Trey Smith could get in all of this. You see, he's a guy that that's probably a candidate for the coaches list because the coaches know how good he is, uh, how good he is, uh, and they know. Uh, they Even know though more, he's ripping know, his own play, yeah, they know more about offensive line play than you know. That that's having voted for some of these teams before. The offensive line is always the hardest position to oh, sort yeah. of. Um, to kind of go off there but yeah it was uh, impo- i've not had to do toe, that before toe for toe, all america it's impossible Toe Toe will be freshman all american all freshman you'll have team, a handful that. of freshman all uh, sec guys i Juan think wanye pro- wanye will probably be an all mm-hmm. sec potential freshman all american tackle just cuz he's going to end up starting if he stays healthy these last couple games yeah he 12, and Wright both games.
0: have he and both he and Ryan
1: um,
2: both have
0: freshman all um, sec written all over him yep. i think
2: you might even see eric gray get some freshman all mm-hmm. sec consideration depending on who else is in the mix yeah i I'd, I'd have to look at more of the sec's freshman
0: Mm-hmm. i mean to,
2: like step.
1: toto right now is leading sec well he was going into last week um, i think
2: toto is freshman all-american in oh, some, I think in some sure. places i, I
0: think, think sure. i think he's probably earned that right uh next question g drennan two what's the over under on number of coaching changes for the tennessee football staff this year i'm gonna say 1.5 good question I, i'll say 2.5 i th-
2: i think i think if you're setting the over under
1: because well, to
2: me, there's always a chance of someone leaving. There's always a chance of, you know, a change or two. But to me, it's whether there's a
1: third or whether it's just well, one or two. Well, it's the silly season, so that's always – I have to take that into account. There are three coaches that are uh, in the last year of their contracts, mm-hmm. So, um, I think two 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 and a half is probably –
0: and you know, I mean, you, 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 you two, can, two and a half. You could see a situation where Cher wants to be a defensive coordinator again, or something like that. I mean, th- those kinds of things—they they happen. Um, you know, I, a couple guys have expiring deals, and we'll see what happens there. But I, I, I think the—I think they feel pretty decent about where things are going right now. So unless, um, I, I, unless I'm reading these tea leaves incorrectly, I think you know, I, I would, I would predict maybe two.
1: Yeah, I would say there's very little chance that there's none correct. Yeah. But I don't want to say that there's going to be 3 or 4 cuz I don't, that I don't know that might be a stretch.
0: I would put the I would put the over/under at 1.5 and say over and go with 2. But that's that's just where I'm on that. Final question this week, Vols fan 1104 uh, do you think winning the first two games of the season would have had any impact on the Florida, Georgia, and Alabama games? As in, if Tennessee was undefeated going into Florida, would it have been a better game or the same outcome? Butterf- well, butterfly
1: effect. Well, I mm-hmm. think he, I think he answered his own question by only bringing up the Florida game. I don't think, I don't think Tennessee would have beaten Georgia and Alabama under if they yeah. played a hundred times. I don't, I don't know if Tennessee wins. Correct. Either of those games well, although I say that Alabama gets you know, hurt, you know. Georgia w- at
0: home maybe once in a hundred tries. You, you take you Bam- take, no.
1: You take two out of the equation and Tennessee was right there in that game. So um, that's obviously a big hypothetical though. Um, I could
0: have seen Florida being
2: more competitive, but I don't think Tennessee was even gonna hang around in that game until the fourth quarter, and, probably.
1: You know, that game in Florida, you know, bottom line, if that game, you know, put that game in a vacuum, if they got better quarterback play it would have been a more competitive game. Yeah. If they, you know, if Juwan Jennings doesn't have a basket off his hand for an interception. They guarantee doesn't miss Dominic Wood Anderson, all these things. But that said, that defense was was really on its heels quite a bit a lot of that game, and so I think it would have been tough. for
2: You'd just gotten
0: Batuli back. Bryce Thompson yeah. was in his yeah. first game back. I, I, there were reasons I think that it happened. I think
1: it would have been tough. I, I uh, would say I would it, say no on, on winning either of those three games.
0: I think Tennessee, if Batuli and Thompson had played the first couple games, I think Tennessee would have won them. And then I think if those guys had been healthy, Florida would have been a much different game. But that's how I would answer the question. I, I wouldn't say – I mean, I get the premise of the question, but I, I would th- – counter with I think the fact is we've seen well first off credit the the guys for the the toughness mentally and physically they've had in doing what they've done and Garantano for bouncing back and and all those things the line playing better but I think when you look at it you're you're just seeing how important guys like Batuli and Bryce Thompson are for this team that that's I mean as soon as as soon as Batuli came back they started getting lined up better on defense Like, the first game, as good as Toa Toa has been, Mm -hmm. he was lost for the first couple games at times. I mean, in the first game against Georgia State, they had to put him on the bench for a while because he'd gotten scorched a couple times and didn't know left from right, it seemed like. So... Batuli coming back has really kind of fortified that defense, and then Thompson being back on the back end has helped a lot. And, and and that's that's given a platform for guys like Warrior to improve and things like that. I think all of that started with Batuli and Thompson coming
2: back. And, and to me, you know what, for all the talk at the time of how bad Tennessee was playing, I think we'll look back on this season and say Florida was the worst game they played. I think worse than Georgia State. Georgia State turned out to be a pretty solid team, and Tennessee sure could have done a lot of things better in that game, but I don't think they played horribly against florida i did not think they played well at all that's fair
0: guys we're going to take a quick break we're going to step away we're going to pay some bills listen to some products services in-house ads and all those other fun things and we're going to come back in just a second we'll be in a different location so it'll be grant ramey and myself at thompson bowling arena talking tennessee alabama state basketball hashtag add. <sighs> Welcome back to the Govalls 24 7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in house ads you may or may not have just heard. As always, we appreciate those who who actually listen to the commercials. I know you're not required to do that. You're not legally or morally, ethically obligated to do so. But for those who don't hit the fast forward button, we do appreciate that. West Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you here from Thompson Bowling Arena now. And Grant, we just watched what I don't think either one of us will call the the best basketball that we've ever seen. Uh, Tennessee seventy six, Alabama State forty one. The Vols not so great offensively, um, but uh, pretty good defensively, and definitely good enough defensively against Alabama State.
4: Yeah, they uh, they didn't. If you're in the building, you probably noticed that Alabama State didn't score, uh, didn't make a field goal over the last nine minutes and thirty nine seconds, which is uh, which is a pretty good. Not at Tennessee's defense, especially when you consider how Tennessee, how Rick Barnes was kind of emptying his bench there towards the end and playing a lot of young guys, but uh, 4-0 is 4-0. You kind of just played average and and walked away with a 35-point win over a 0-4 Alabama State team, a a team that is struggling, but you take care of business, you move on to the next one, and,
0: and you got some valuable minutes for
4: some young guys, which that was the goal coming
0: in. Yeah, and we're going to get to to more about this game here in just a second, but I think we need to mention the news straight off the top. Uh, Tennessee, as, as we all know, Uh, has one seven-footer that that is not allowed to play right now, uh, Euros Plavsic, if I can say his name correctly, uh, working on the uh, NCAA issue with him. That remains an ongoing deal. No news there. There is, however, an update on another one of the Tennessee seven-footers, and it's not good news necessarily. Uh, Sophomore forward Zach Kent is uh, taking a a leave of absence, I guess, from the team, or or however you want to – want to phrase that. I think Tennessee used the phrase stepping away from the program for uh, an indefinite period of time. We'll see if it's permanent or if it's not. Uh, It's not discipline related. That's what we've been told. Uh, So you're free to speculate on what it is or, or isn't. I know that Ken is a guy who uh, maybe at times in this off-season, there was thought that he could kind of step into the rotation and do some things. He's a six-foot-eleven guy. He's got soft touch. He's got good hands. He understands the game. He, he's not the best athlete ever, but uh, in terms of his foot speed, but but he's a guy who can do some things. Um, he, he can get some rebounds. He can go out there and hit some threes. You know, he's got good touch. He can pass the ball around. There's skill there. Um, but he's also battled some injury problems, uh, and he's also just not quite broken through to be the kind of prospect that maybe he thought he could be. Uh, but still, this is a Tennessee team that already doesn't have plastic Grant, so um, that's a big body that they could have used at times, and now he's not available.
4: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you look at the numbers. He didn't play at all against Washington. Uh, they couldn't really be much thinner in the posts, obviously, with Euros – Sideline. you have Drew Pember there, um, you have Olivier Kamhua there, two freshmen. Uh, when those guys are playing and you're not playing, I think you see the writing on the wall. I don't know if he's gone for good, uh, if this is him transferring, but I think it's the smart thing to do. If he wants to play uh, consistent minutes at a, at a college basketball program, I don't think here's the place to do it because if he's not doing that by now, if he's not even getting some run toward the end of these games – uh, like he didn't get off the bench of Washington. I don't know what his numbers were. I think uh, maybe 15 minutes combined the first two games. Uh, if that happens, you know that's that's probably all you need to know about where this kid is headed, or or where this team is headed with or without him. Yorosh uh, could be back this season. He might be. He'll be back next season if nothing else. Uh, and then the uh, the minutes become even more limited. Everybody in this in this post returns that's here right now. Uh, if that includes Zach Kent or not. Where is he going to get his minutes? And I wouldn't blame him if now's the time that uh, he transfers. You don't need to waste any time if this is if this is your decision. Go ahead and do it and get this this spring semester under your belt, uh, moving towards the future and, and not waste your time being part of this basketball program when you know that's not your long term answer.
0: Yeah, the the one thing I'll say is that I do agree that that very well could be the reason for this. I I, I wonder he's also battled so many injury issues and and I thought you know, even going into preseason camp, you know, the, the day I remember sitting down and talking to him for a while, uh, he, he had one of those kind of, you know, stem things or whatever on his foot. And, and he said it was just a constant nagging thing that was bothering him for a while. Uh, he, he's had some other injuries. His knees have given him problems like a lot like a lot of big men out there. So I, I don't. I always thought that if he could stay healthy for an extended period of time, he could give himself a chance to get out there and play. But um, for whatever reason, uh, it hasn't worked out. We'll see if it does get sorted out or if it doesn't. But bottom line is now Tennessee has uh, basically two of the seven-footers we thought would be on this team are now no longer on this team. So a team that was already maybe going to play a little more small ball uh, might have to play even more than we thought, uh, which is interesting. Though, is I spoke with Josiah Jordan James about uh, this after the game, and and this is a kid who, uh, despite being a point guard naturally, uh, is a kid who's six foot six, very strong, very sturdy. Had thirteen rebounds against Alabama State. Obviously, going to see bigger, stronger competition. But what I thought was really interesting was he said. Uh, I expected him to say that he wouldn't mind to play some at the four position as long as it helped the team. I expected him to say that because that's just the kind of kid he is. Um, But what he said was interesting was that he didn't think Tennessee was playing small ball because he said if you look, uh, you know, other than maybe Lamonte Turner, if you look at everyone else on the court, uh, all these guys have six, seven, or or bigger wingspans. So he doesn't think it is small ball because they can get out and run and do some damage, uh, but they still have enough length to give people problems.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you go back to Murray State, uh, that coach came in here post game after, uh, after Tennessee won that game and talked about how much length Tennessee has and how much that can alter shots and, and how difficult that is to play against, even if you don't have a seven-footer on the floor, even if you aren't, uh, you don't have 6'10", 6'11", guys all the way down your roster. If you have a guy like Eve Pons that can jump up and put his head in the cylinder, uh, you saw that block against Washington, just how high he can go to change a shot. Uh, Jordan Balon's obviously that kind of athlete as well. Uh, Josiah is that kind of athlete. That six six, long arms, two hundred pounds. He's such a strong kid. He's he's so physically mature for his age. Uh, I mean, he's mature on and off the floor mentally as well. But, but the physicality that he can play with. I mean, uh, that was the most. That was the most rebounds for a freshman uh, in Tennessee basketball in over twenty years. He had seven of them in the first half, and you know Rick went out of his way after the game to mention that. Uh, Eve Pons and John Fulkerson maybe had one rebound apiece at halftime. He didn't know if they've ever had 13 rebounds in a game for their careers, and here Josiah has won uh, four games into his career. So jo- Josiah is an option. Uh, you know, you adjust. Hopefully they get news they want to hear on Euros. I-, I would be surprised if that happens at this point, but uh, you never know with NCAA as we've seen. But uh, they got to use that length to their advantage and, and, and find ways to block shots and protect the rim and, and keep being a good rebounding team. Uh, because you lost another big body even though – or you could be losing another big body even though he wasn't giving you a ton of minutes.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that, that you know, in a game like this the, that we just watched, Tennessee beating Alabama State, you expect Tennessee to beat Alabama State. There's nothing extraordinary about that. That's a The Hornets are not a very good team. They're struggling. They only have a couple of pretty decent players. Uh, they have a lot of guys out there who are just kind of scuffling and doing what they can, uh, especially against a team of Tennessee's caliber. But what I thought was really good was Tennessee's defensive discipline against Alabama State impressed me. You know, we get to, in basketball, we get to be so much closer to the action than we are during football games. Uh, so a lot of times you can, you know, in football, you have to kind of go back and watch the game to see some things. Did I think I, did I see that right? Did I not see that right? You know, with basketball, we're right there. So you kind of get a feel for the flow of a game and what's going on. And I thought Tennessee's defensive discipline, especially in a game where Tennessee was not shooting the ball great. I mean, Tennessee, I think, ended up uh, 6 of 21 from three-point range, so no one got a free chicken sandwich from this performance. Uh, Tennessee overall offensively just kind of scuffed around a little bit, you know, 27 of 59 from the floor, 16 of 25 from the free throw line. You know, this is usually a pretty efficient team, Offensively, and Rick Barnes' system is really efficient offensive basketball. You know, you look at the assist numbers per buckets. Uh, you look at the usually the lower number of turnovers, despite trying to push the ball. Um, the, it's pretty efficient offense usually, and, and it wasn't at all against Alabama State. And this was clearly a game where you worry how much. Are the guys locked in? And I think Barnes himself said some of the upperclassmen he didn't think were locked in. Uh, but this was a team that had just gone and played. Um, Washington, gotten a win over a ranked team, gotten back into the AP poll. Like, I think they probably should have been to start the season. Um, and then they've got some much bigger games coming up later this month and next month. And then, obviously, SEC play starts. So there, this was a game that you thought, you know, this is, is this the right time for kind of a, a bad basketball team to, to come into this building? And, and how will Tennessee respond to that? I thought defensively, I'm sure Barnes could watch film and point to 20 things he doesn't like because he, he can just do that. He's very one of the best I've ever seen at doing that. He can take a 50-point win and, and find 100 things that went wrong. But overall, defensively, I don't think he's going to have a ton to complain about with this performance. No,
4: and it's uh, the, the discipline that's there. I, I think you saw discipline against Washington on the offensive end, the way they attacked that zone and the way they consistently looked for 10-footers. Uh, in the first half, and that's really the way they took control of that game and won that game. Uh, if they can be disciplined on both ends of the floor uh, offensively and defensively, as young as this team is, as much inexperience there is on this team as as much as they lost uh, a year ago that's that's a pretty big trait uh, for uh, and bodes really well for for the rest of this season. Uh, they've been they've been impressive to me kind of on both ends ever since they kind of dug that hole against Murray State in the first half. and that was the first time you really. Uh, had legit questions about where this team was headed and what kind of team this is going to be. And they obviously did a ton the the second half offensively there, but they only allowed, what, 16, 19 points in that second half? I think they only allowed 16, 18 points in the second half tonight against uh, Alabama State, and they played pretty well uh, on both ends of the floor against Washington. So for them to kind of be at this stage and showing discipline Uh, like that in both areas I think that's pretty impressive for a young team and it's a sign of a a well-coached team Rick Barnes is going to get the most out of his guys as as Tennessee fans have seen the last couple years uh, given the talent they've had and the number of wins they produced and and I guess this group uh, is trending towards kind of that same trajectory.
0: Yeah I thought that they you know a couple guys tonight who played pretty well are, are guys who Tennessee's obviously going to need now to kind of tie these couple of thoughts we've had together. um, Guys like, you know, uh, Olivier uh, Kamwa and uh, Drew Pember are going to have to be good players on this team. Maybe not great players, um, but guys who are going to have to give you some really great performances here and there and guys who are going to have to consistently do something uh, because now uh, we'll see what happens with Plavsage. I'm with you. I'll believe it when I see it. But at this point, I think as a, as a coaching staff, if you're Tennessee and if you're one of the players on this team, you have to assume I think that you're not going to get good news, and then if you get good news, hey, that's a that's a bonus. So I think you have to go about preparing for the season at this point, like you're not going to have him, and and that's and that's what you have to do in the short term, especially because he's not there. So uh, he's out there every day to practice, you know, and and I'm sure every day of practice they, they watch things and go, man, it would just be really nice to have that really talented seven foot one guy in the middle, uh, but but they don't have him right now. So guys like Pember, uh, guys like Kamwa, who who have some ability, but in Pember's case, he's pencil thin. We know this. Um, and I think with with Kumwa, I think he's a guy who maybe has a little bit more um, I don't want to say upside long term because I think Pember actually has some really good long term upside too. But kind of short term upside, I, th- I think Kumwa is the, the, maybe the more consistent option for this team. Um, but both these guys played pretty well. Pember didn't play until the final, you know, maybe the, the midway mark of the second half. But he goes out there and plays eight minutes, uh, has eight points and, and five rebounds and um, blocks two shots, you know. He, he went 6 of 10 from the free throw line, which is not good enough for him. He's usually better than that. Uh, but he did some good things. And Koma out there, again, uh, tonight what did he have? He had uh, he had eight points, you know. He had, uh, I think, five, six rebounds. And he went out there and he did some good things. I mean, Devontae Gaines also went out there and had six rebounds. So you're seeing these freshmen doing some things that make you think, well, you know what? maybe this coaching staff wanted these guys for a reason. Uh, maybe they're going to have to be bigger parts of this team than you expected, but here they are, and they need them, and it looks like they're capable of doing some things.
4: And, and they have to do. They don't have to do a ton, but they have to be able to give them minutes because the seven-man rotation is really six against Washington because Jalen Johnson only played six minutes. Uh, that's not sustainable between now. You're sitting here in the middle of November going into Feast Week next week all the way through March. You, you want to be playing your best basketball in March, and you're not going to be doing that if you're that limited uh, for 30 games. So Tennessee has to figure out something right there. Uh, they got to get something uh, minutes-wise from Devontae Gaines. They have to get something minutes-wise from Drew Pember. They don't have to do a ton. They don't have to put up a, a bunch of gaudy stats. I mean, Drew was really uh, he was impressive when he got in there just because of how busy he stayed. I mean, he got to the foul line for 10 shots. Uh, in eight minutes, and he had five rebounds, and 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 Rick went on and on about how the young guys today, tonight were a little bit more impressive than the older guys, and and what they're trying to get done. They just have to get minutes from them. It's like we talked about with Eve Ponds, in the past, just just rebound, block shots, and and crash the glass. I mean, that's what you have to do. You don't have to score the basketball ton. Just do what your coaches ask you. Uh, give them some minutes that they can trust, and that that expands the rotation. Uh, and it would make a really, really big difference uh, way down the line this season.
0: Well, and I think especially because I think most of us who know Lamonte Turner believe that he will find a way, even if he's in pain, to shoot the ball better. Uh, he'll just calibrate his shot. You know, he'll recalibrate it. He'll figure it out. He'll work something out. He, he'll he'll kind of live in the training room if he needs to. He'll figure out a way to get as, as good as he can as he can get with it this season – but I think when you look at some of the reasons for concern, again, Turner, 5 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 4 from three-point range. He's doing so many other good things. He had six assists. He probably should have had 10, but some guys missed some shots. He still got to the free throw line a, a decent bit. He he did some good things out there, uh, took pretty decent care of the ball. So uh, there were some good there, but but they need more from him. And I'll tell you also, this is something that we would not normally have had to discuss in the past. But in the past, if, if Eve Pons plays – almost 31 minutes, uh, and he takes five shots, that's that's okay. That's about what you'd expect. Now, that, that's not nearly enough. It's weird to talk about this kid as a volume shooter because maybe that's still not quite what he is, but him being on the floor for 31 minutes, he's three or five from the floor. He's one of two from three-point range. He's four or four from the free throw line. So I'm thinking, you're pretty darn efficient here. Why aren't you doing more? And, you know, maybe if you go back and look at film, maybe the guards could have put him in some better positions to get some shots up or to do some certain things. But uh, I'll tell you, he can't revert to this because this team, if it wants to be as good as it thinks it can be, it's not going to do that with Eve Ponds playing 30 minutes and taking five shots. It's a different time now. And now maybe Josiah Jordan-James kind of has some of that Ponds role in terms of if he plays 30 minutes and shoots five, six times. That's okay. You'd like more, but that's okay. But I tell you, this team now, Grant, uh, it it needs pawns to stay aggressive because when he's in the flow, he look, he's still looking pretty good. He just tonight kind of went back into the background a little bit, and that, that wasn't a good thing to see.
4: Yeah, and it speaks to the progress he's made that you can have uh, what was 11 points, five rebounds, I think three blocks. Uh, pretty, you know, that, that's not a bad stat line, especially considering what his stat lines were the for the last couple of years. Uh, but what he's shown in the first three games is he can be that third scorer. He can be somebody that uh, that, that Tennessee can rely on for production consistently. If if he can turn that into a season-long thing, uh, he's a pretty big X factor for this Tennessee basketball team. They're going to need him to do it a lot of different ways. Uh, hitting that three is the trailer spot, uh, scoring down low uh, on the defensive end, being uh, one of the better rebounders on the team, being the best shot blocker on the team. Uh, They're going to need him to do a lot of stuff. I think it's going to be interesting to watch how he adjusts to being scouted, which he hasn't really been scouted against uh, this heavily. As much as he, you know, showed in the first three games what he can do, teams are going to change the way they try to defend him. So they're going to have to get something consistently from him Uh, points-wise. Maybe he's one of those guys where almost like uh, I guess it was Lamonte. Over the last couple of years, if he scored early, if he made his first or second shot, it was going to be a good night for him. Or maybe that was Jordan Bowden. I can't remember who I'm, who I'm thinking of with with that thought. But I mean, maybe he's that guy that that needs to hit an early shot, and maybe that changes the way he approaches uh, the rest of the game because they need him to be in that 13-15 point range uh, as many nights as they can get him.
0: Grant, before we step out of here, I know that uh, it's been a long work day and you've been playing a little bit uh, hurt today. I know you're a little bit under the weather. So uh, we, won't, we won't take up too much more of, of uh, your precious time before we step out of here. Um, but I do have to ask you, since uh, we've been on the podcast for nearly an hour or so now and we've not uh, asked you a single thing about football, do you have any thoughts on this Tennessee-Missouri game going into it? Because we've got – 40 plus minutes of us mostly talking about this before so um, I guess we'll save some of those uh, Memphis Penny Hardaway thoughts for for later podcasts because I'm sure there's going to be multiple of those and we discussed it a little bit in the second segment anyway Um, but your thoughts on Tennessee Missouri football can you do you have any kind of a feel for this game because uh, full candor I'm still struggling to get a full feel for this game and and I I think it's a pretty interesting matchup
4: I mean, it's it's what what what's the term in English soccer a bogey team? It feels like Missouri's kind of been a bogey team for Tennessee ever since they came into the into the league. I mean, you go back to what was that 2012 with Derek Dooley in the overtime game at Neyland Stadium, and uh, you know there was some success there a few years ago against Missouri, uh, putting up a ton of points. And then uh, you it turns on its head, and, and Missouri's what put put 50 on the board the last couple times they've played Tennessee. So uh, as well as this Tennessee team has played with four wins in the last five weeks and having a bye week to prepare for this game and uh, Missouri coming off a pretty tough stretch that included Florida and Georgia. Uh, Kelly Bryant, I assume he's back and healthy. He's going to be tough to stop, but that offense is also uh, struggling. They, they've lost, I think, four in a row and Tennessee's won four out of five, which was confusing why Missouri opened as a seven point favorite. But, you know, Vegas usually knows those things, even though the line, I guess, dropped down to four. I don't know what it finished at, but. Uh, it's a, it's a team Tennessee needs to beat. They can win this game, and and uh, if they play the way they can, they should win this game. Uh, and if they do, uh, you you would expect them to beat Vanderbilt at home on on Senior Day at Neyland Stadium, uh, and kind of walk into the Gator Bowl. And and if if that happens, if you think about the 0-2 start and how far they've come since then, that would be a pretty pretty remarkable feat for this coaching staff to not lose this team, not lose this locker room, and to have a chance with two uh, huge games here at the end of the season to really do something and it's 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 kind of full circle because they were sitting here like Pruitt has mentioned before 5 and 5 with two games left and and trying to prove something and and not, you know, kind of fall on your face the way they did the last couple uh, last year
0: yeah, and I guess I would, I just looked this up because you were talking about it, and uh, the line has been halved, more or less. Uh, it opened at seven, and in some books it's four, and some it's all the way down to three and a half now. So Vegas usually knows something, which is why my eyes perked up when I saw that seven-point spread, and I thought, I'm not saying I wouldn't pick Missouri to win this game because I might still end up doing that. I'm not quite sure yet, but – um, it shouldn't be that – the line shouldn't be that, I don't think. And um, Vegas usually knows something. So uh, a lot of money came in quickly and it started swinging the other way, clearly, because I'm telling you, if a line moves from seven to three and a half, uh, that means that a ton of money uh, has been placed on Tennessee and they're trying to adjust that. So um, there's a lot going on, a lot, a lot of football, a lot of basketball, a lot of interesting things to talk about. Uh, what we're going to do now, though, is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to step away, pay some bills, uh, get, some, uh, get some good ads, in there, some in-house ads, some products, some services, all those fun things. And then we'll come right back and we will wrap this thing up. Hashtag ad.
3: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill.
0: Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard during that commercial break. As always, we appreciate those people who do stick with us through the commercial breaks, even though some of y'all want to exercise your rights as citizens of the free world to go out there and skip through them and hit that fast-forward button, and you can do that but we appreciate the people who do not do that. West Rucker, coming to you once again from Fort Rucker Studio. Just got back from the arena. So basically, this podcast episode has come full circle. We began this journey together right here at Fort Rucker Studio. Then we went about three miles down the road, talked a little Tennessee basketball. Now we're back here getting you out of this podcast at Fort Rucker Studio. Before we get out of here, though, I do want to mention again and you've probably been sick of hearing this recently, and I get it, but it's a really good deal, and we're going to keep mentioning it right now and and, and in perpetuity as long as you are a member of GoVols twenty four seven or any twenty four seven sports site, you get free access to CBS All Access. And that's the Rolls-Royce package of CBS All Access. That's the $100 annual value, the one that comes with no commercial breaks unless you're watching live television. And what is CBS All Access? Well, guys, it's basically the streaming component of CBS. Uh, So that means you get the full library of CBS shows, uh, all all the great, the the NCISs, uh, Evil is the new show a lot of people are talking about. You can get all that, the, the 60 Minutes Archive, everything, all the movies, all the shows, everything. You get all of those ad-free whenever you want, and all you have to do is be a member of 24-7 Sports or Go 247 24-7, and if you're already one of those people, go take advantage of that. We'll, we'll get you where you need to go. Just go to govols247.com. We will get you hooked up. We'll, we'll show you how to go uh, do that. There's a quick uh, kind of online handshake there, and all you have to do is give a, a username and a password uh, to CBS Sports, answer a couple—CBS, uh, I should say—answer a couple questions, and then boom, you're right there. And there are no strings attached on this. It's just a free gift, $100 annually that we are giving to you. And, and we're not changing the price point uh, of 24/7 Sports either. I've gotten that straight from the top. Straight from our our boss, Bossman Shannon Terry, has said we are not changing our price point. That's not what this is about. There's just a lot of cool things that when we became a member of the CBS family uh, that we were going to be able to bring to y'all, and this is one of those things. So go do that right now. If you're not a member, become a member. And if you are a member... Uh, go ahead and just go through that quick process, and you can get CBS All Access all the time. Uh, and that's not just uh, the the previously recorded shows and movies and stuff, even though there's plenty of that. There's some CBS shows. There's all kinds of uh, movies that come in there every month. They, they kind of recycle uh, different ones in there each month. So all kinds of cool stuff there. Plus, you get live SEC football, live NFL football, Uh, You get some uh, World Series of Poker type stuff. Uh, You you get some other sports, some really neat things. And and in the future, you're going to be able to get the UEFA Champions League, which is pretty awesome for those of us who are big soccer fans. I was really, really happy that our company was able to win that bid. uh, And and starting, I believe, in about a year and a half or so, it will have uh, the Champions League. Uh, so that's going to be awesome. Really looking forward to that. Hopefully, Arsenal will be back in it at that point um, because after being in it for 15 straight years, being out of it for three years has kind of sucked, but maybe Arsenal will get back in there. Regardless, all kinds of things on CBS All Access. We really, really, really hope you all take advantage of that, and again, there's no strings attached. This is just us giving you a free gift, so don't look that gift horse in the mouth. What other cliches do I know? One in hand, two in the bush. I don't know. There's other cliches, but basically, we're giving you this for free. So go take advantage of that. Go do that. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm West Rucker, twenty four seven on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. G R A N T R A M E Y. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, twenty four seven on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown, twenty four seven on Twitter and you can also uh, if you want all the Tennessee updates and none of our personal stuff that we ever mentioned me talking about Arsenal and the Cubs and whatever else is on my mind that day could be a fly on the wall whatever it is or, or, or any of the other things we talk about you just want the Tennessee news just the facts just the facts ma'am FBI style, just the facts. You can get that at twitter.com slash twenty 247 or at facebook.com slash 247 where Ramey does a really, really excellent job uh, coordinating our Facebook efforts. We got stuff on there pretty much updated every hour throughout the day. So you can go there all the time also. Or if you want the best place, if you want to get water directly from the hose, you want to drink it straight from the source. You want like pure east tennessee spring mountain delicious water that tennessee has and georgia doesn't and they hate us for it if you want that you want that deliciousness you go to govals 247com where we have anything you want all day every day uh, tennessee football football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting women's basketball maria cornelius does a great job covering the lady vols for us she also covers lady Vols softball that dominant program All kinds of good stuff there. We also have administrative news and all kinds of things. And uh, we have the Go 24-7 checkerboard, which is the best site out there, the best message board, the best community of Tennessee fans. Really, we we police that board pretty well. It's mostly good-natured. It's a lot of discussion throughout the day. And all of us that you hear on this podcast, every hour of the day that we're awake, we're basically on that board. You can ask us whatever you want, and we will answer it go into even more detail than we do on this podcast. Much more detail, honestly. A lot more detail about a lot of things going in that program. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the the stuff we're trying to figure out, whether it's good or bad, and everything in between. So go do that. Plus, if you do that, you can get CBS All Access for free for perpetuity, in perpetuity. As long as you are a member with us, you get the CBS All Access. So go do that. Don't be a fool. Don't make Mr. T pity you. Don't be a fool. Go do that. Please. I'm trying to help you. Help me help you. That's what this is about. If nothing else, guys, we'll see you on Monday morning. Unless something happens before, then it's crazy. And that might happen. But, but, the very latest you should hear from us on Monday. See you guys.